The 24 Shades of Blue Cold Case Edition series is about real ongoing homicide investigations. The following conversation may be disturbing to some people and is not recommended for all ages. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to 24 Shades of Blue Cold Case Edition. I'm your host, Andy O'Brien. On December 3rd, 2008, at approximately 12.18 p.m., Toronto police responded to an emergency call at One Coin Street near the intersection of Lakeshore Boulevard and Islington Avenue. The victim was 72-year-old Richard Clements, who was pronounced dead after suffering from stab wounds. Richard was described as a generous and kind man who would help anyone in need. He was an active member of the community who volunteered his time to noble causes. Richard was beloved by his friends and family. The circumstances surrounding his death were tragic and also peculiar. Sitting with me in our studio to discuss the case is Acting Detective Sergeant Steve Smith from Toronto Homicide. How are you, Steve? I'm good, Andy. How are you? Excellent. Let's get right into it. Let's talk about the type of person Richard Clements was. Richard, at the time of his murder, was 72 years old. So he had worked his entire life. He had worked um, in public service for a number of years in his younger years. He became sick at one point and actually had lost his feet to the disease. And even after he had lost his feet, he was still working as a waiter, um, still working and, and gaining his money. But as he got a little bit older, uh, he went on disability. It just became too much for him to actually uh, go to work every day. So he was living at an address down on Coin Street in Toronto. Um, in an apartment complex. And at that point, he was living off his disability check and he was selling a few uh, cigarettes on the side to make a few extra dollars. And who are Edge and Hicks and what was their relationship with uh, with Richard? So they were all friends from the building. So they would all interact with each other. Uh, a lot of the people in that building were seniors. Uh, they didn't go to work. So they would spend time with each other and at each other's places a lot of people within that building had disabilities were on disability so they would go back and forth to each other's apartments they'd go out for for a drink or a bite to eat uh, go out for a walk together those sort of things just just friends from the community okay and something had occurred between edge and the apartment's landlord a few days prior can we talk about that there was a bit of an argument and um they they weren't really happy with each other at the time so you know within these apartment buildings there's always conflict depending on who's doing what at what time and that can precipitate certain events to happen what do we know about um what happened to richard and when we believe that richard was probably laying in his bed at the time and he, you know in the community, it was known that if you needed five bucks or you needed a couple smokes, you went up and saw Richard. He never locked his door. You come in. If you had a few coins, you'd leave it for Richard for the cigarettes. If if you didn't have something and you really needed, he would give you five, ten dollars. He'd give you some cigarettes. So he was well liked within the community. And it appears this night someone came up for whatever they were requesting from Richard, whether he had already given them something earlier in the evening and they came back for more or whether he gave them something that night and they wanted more. And it appears that uh, this person wasn't happy with Richard's response and, and set on him, stabbed him, and took all his coins, took everything that he had within, within his apartment and took off. This has all the hallmarks of a, a drug addict, um, someone that was, was either dope sick or in need of their next fix or 
just looking for whatever they were looking for at the time. And they would do anything in their power to get what they needed. And they definitely knew the process and knew, you know, that they could just access the the apartment. So this person knew um, Richard. I would think. That's right. I mean, we believe that it was someone that had connections to that building and that they knew the process to go in and get whatever they needed from Richard, whether it was going to be smokes or whether it was going to be a bit of money. Uh, just go in and talk to him and get whatever you, you needed. Um, unfortunately, Richard ended up stabbed to death because of this person's needs. They took their own needs over his life and it was more important for them to get what they wanted than Richard to to be alive, which is, it's astounding that someone can make those sort of decisions. And Steve, just to go back to the argument that transpired between Edge and the landlord, where this becomes a little bit more relevant, I guess, in the, in the case is the fact that, um, Edge, uh, that Richard potentially could have stuck up for Edge to the landlord and, Please talk a little bit about how everybody's connected there. Mr. Edge and Richard were both disabled. Um, both were mobile only with uh, with wheelchairs or prosthetics. So there is a good chance that Richard would have stuck up for his friend in an argument with the landlord. Um, so he could have been supportive in that way. The landlord did have some relatives that lived in the building as well who may have become involved in the dispute. And it appears that that after the murder that our killer actually went down to Edge's apartment. So there, there's blood that leads down the walls and down the staircase and down towards the apartment, um, which couldn't have been Mr. Edge because obviously he was in a wheelchair. He wouldn't have went down the staircase to, to bring the blood down. Now, we believe that Mr. Edge, who is unfortunately is deceased himself now, would have known at the time who the killer was, but he refused to uh, to identify who had come down to his apartment that evening. Now what we should do is kind of take a look at... Um some crime photos that we have and we can kind of discuss them together first we have uh, this pair of shoes so let's talk about um the shoes here so these are stock photos of uh, of white nike runners so when we go into the further photos there's there's actual pictures of blood that's um spread on the floor of richard's apartment so while he was being stabbed obviously he was bleeding out and the the killer didn't leave quickly. He was staying around because the blue the blood was going underneath his feet, and he was stepping in the in the blood and actually leaving um, footprints throughout the apartment. So we were able to take the footprints and trace it back to these exact shoes. So we were looking for people that were wearing these exact shoes at the time of the murder. This is the actual shoe prints that those shoes made. That's correct. And the blood was strewn, so it was all over, obviously, Richard's apartment. But as I say, stated before, it was taken out into the hallway, strewn, strewn through the hallway, down the staircase, down to Mr. Edge's um, apartment. And then further down in the staircase, there was uh, other coins with blood on it found. From Richard's the, apartment. We believe it to be from Richard's apartment. And they, they were spread throughout the uh, the staircase as well. And you can see here the circle component of the, of the, um, the sole of the shoe. It's very clear this individual wasn't really trying to uh, to cover the prints up at all. No, I imagine that this uh, this murder was spontaneous. I don't believe that it was planned and that he came there with the intention of killing Richard. He probably went there with uh, the intention of speaking with Richard, probably with 
gaining some either money or, or cigarettes off of him. And it delved to the point where he ended up stabbing Richard to death. Going on another angle on here. Could this have been somebody that was acting on behalf of the potential from the, the uh, dispute that had happened with the landlord? Is there another angle that the, uh, that you guys have looked at this from? There's a number of angles that we looked at, and obviously that's one of them. Um, we've looked at 173 suspects in this, and we are persons of interest in this, and we haven't been able to find the person that left their DNA at the scene. So we're continuing with this, and we're continuing with the investigation. But there was surveillance video within this building at the time, so we were able to review that, and it appears that the person was either able to exit the apartment building without showing themselves on video or they went to another apartment within the building and waited for a certain amount of time before they left because immediately after the murder nobody is seen on video exiting the building so it really speaks to somebody living in there or staying in there for an extended period of time that's right or at least having an apartment that they could go to and 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 be safe so that lends you to believe that uh, on top of Mr. Edge, there are other people within the building who know who killed Richard. And at this time, who knows who we're dealing with? These people may have been scared, right? A lot of them were disabled. A lot of them didn't want these sort of hassles. This person may have been a bit erratic and obviously violent, so they didn't want to bring trouble to their own door. But now things are different. Most people have probably moved. I'm sure this offender is somewhere else. And people could come forward and let us know who killed Richard. So TPS's efforts to identify the suspect with the shoes, um, he was thought thought to have on during the murder. What what kind of tests or what types of things did you guys do to try and match those shoes? Well, unfortunately, because at the time they were so prevalent, we weren't able to go back and actually find a buyer's list for these shoes. It was just too extensive. Um, but we did everything that we possibly could, obviously with the video, watching the video for these shoes coming down. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a, a time consuming process, but you take the video and instead of focusing on the people coming in and out, you focus on the shoes that they're wearing. And if we could identify someone coming in and out on video, wearing these shoes, obviously we'd have a, a, a very strong person of interest to look into. And I found 173 people. You said they, they were of, of interest. How did you break that down? That's basically the people that lived in the building, people that we knew frequented apartments in the building, obviously their boyfriends, their girlfriends. So basically anybody that had connections to these buildings or anywhere where Richard would have frequented that would have been able to know how to get into the building, where Richard lived, how to get to his apartment and and to know that his door would be open. You could go in and speak with him. Any new breaks in the case? What's any new information you can tell us about this? Uh, well, we do have yeah. offender DNA, so we're just looking to match that up with the the suspect. Um, we're going to continue with our our testing, the advances in science. We're going to utilize anything that we possibly can to identify this person. But we know that that there are people in this community that know who did this. And as I said, they may have been scared at the time. They may have even forgot about this. So hopefully they're able to listen to this podcast and remember, oh, Richard was a good guy. I remember living in the building with him. I remember what happened that night. I remember at the time I wasn't willing to come forward because of my fears of, of living in that building and the threats to myself. But now things have changed and I can come forward and provide a name. Yeah, because I mean, Richard was, um, as you mentioned, uh, disabled. Uh, he wasn't uh, an individual that would be of uh, a threat 
to anybody and seemed like he had a, you know, a kind hearted nature where he was always giving to his friends and, and people within the building. Let's talk a little bit more about the mindset of this individual. This person, um, you don't think this was premeditated. You think this was, um, even if it wasn't somebody battling, you know, addiction, you think maybe somebody went there to initially have a conversation and then it, it kind of escalated. In my opinion, that's what occurred, that they went up to speak to Richard, whether it was to get some money, get some cigarettes, or just have a conversation with him. Maybe they wanted Richard to go out with him that night. Maybe they wanted this or that, or who knows what precipitated them going to the apartment, but it was obviously for a reason. I mean, if you're going there, it was for a reason. You wanted something from Richard. And obviously at that point, Richard was either fed up or he provided them with as, as much as he possibly could and was like, that's enough. I've, I've helped you as much as I could. And this person just decided that they wanted more. It was just more, 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 right? No matter how much Richard tried to help them out, it just wasn't good enough. And what type of um, murder weapon, what was the exact um, way Richard uh, met his demise? He was stabbed to death. So um, we didn't recover a murder weapon, um, unfortunately, but we do have DNA from the scene because it was a close contact murder. Yeah. Um, obviously, it was very vicious. It was very aggressive, very violent. How many times was he stabbed? Oh, a number of times, a, num a large number of times. Yeah, I don't want to get into exactly how many times he was stabbed, but it was a large number of times all throughout his body. So that was somebody that um, was extremely angry for whatever reason. That was something that was either really personal or they became really angry once they, you know, they weren't getting what they wanted. It seemed like something that was in the second as we've talked about in some of our other cases as well it was it's just overkill right the initial attack begins and it just becomes a frenzy a just a violent aggressive frenzy of of murder and and stabbing and it, it's just things that that people just don't normally understand you know what i mean it's just the level of the level of violence that is brought in and murder such of these is just, it's, uh, it's almost unfathomable. It almost makes you um, wonder if somebody was trying to send a message. There is that possibility. You never know what the, the actual motive is until you actually speak to the person. But in this case, I don't think it would be that sophisticated. I think that he really went there to try to obtain something. And, and for whatever reason, Richard wasn't, uh, wasn't helping him out with what, he wanted at the time and it just devolved from there every time we you know we discuss one of these cold cases they're all um you know i can never obviously understand the rhyme or reason behind taking someone's life this one here is yet another case where the person was completely defenseless and um when you have that type of overkill this person isn't caring that they're probably going to get cut when you're attacking somebody with a knife chances are you're going to get cut. Um, and also leaving the footprints. This person was very careless. Um, and I don't know if it was brazen or was it just unaware that they were leaving a ton of evidence for you guys? I think in a lot of these cases where it's not premeditated, that people just don't really realize what they're doing. They, they kind of just go into a, a, 
a blank out mode where they're not realizing exactly what they're doing to themselves and how they're leaving evidence at the crime scene, which is, is beneficial for us. It's a crime of passion almost in this case. Yeah, it just occurs. And I think that people just, uh, for whatever reason, whether it's drug induced or whether it's just their uh, violent nature takes over that they just, they get into a mode where they're, they're just extremely violent and whatever happens at that moment, it's it's of no consequence to them till they think about it later. I think here, you know, once again, we call on the viewers and the public to have a conscience, you know, and and talk about what happened here because somebody does know what happened here. What's your? Do you think there's other people that were that are knowledgeable about who murdered Richard? Members of the community and especially that apartment building at the time, I definitely believe that they know. And I mean, Richard was 72 years old, a lot, a lot, along with a lot of our victims. I mean, they're vulnerable people, right? That, that's what we see a lot of people being murdered are, are vulnerable people in our society, young people, old people, um, you know, people that are out on the streets with no protection. Um, these are the people that are being set on and, and murdered. And Richard deserves the people that know to come forward and let us know who committed this act. And this could also be a person that could hurt some other innocent person out there. You know, it could be somebody's family member, friend, this person's still out there. If you're capable of this level of violence, one, it's surprising that they haven't done it again. Two, it's just, you never know when this person may go back into that violent frenzy again. Um, they, they're a danger to society being out there. I mean, these are murderers, right? These are, these are people that have taken another person's life and they're still living within our communities. What's your message to the viewers? How can the viewers help you? I know that someone living at Coin Street at the time knows who did this. Um, whether they've told others that name, we just need that name. Again, we have the offender DNA. Just provide us that name. Bring it to us. Let us know who did this. And we'll do the rest and we'll make sure that this person uh, goes before the courts in Richard's murder. Before we wrap up, I, I wanted just to talk about, so who were his friends that reported this? And there was some convoluted stories here that sent the police a little bit astray. You want to talk a little bit about the, a little bit about that? He had two friends, uh, Mr. Edge and Mr. Hicks who lived within the, uh, the apartment buildings. There's a number of different stories that they had told us. Uh, it started out with that they had found his body, but it appears to us that some of those stories may not have been factually correct, and there may be more to the actual story. But we do believe that both of these people, or at very least one, knows who was up there and who committed the murder. But we believe that the murderer may have come to one of his friends to disclose what had happened and they decided to call it into the police at that point their story though didn't exactly mesh with that and it kind of sent us off with a few red herrings to begin the investigation but after a, a long tedious investigation we were able to make decisions that maybe things didn't happen exactly as we were told and a big part of that is the fact that there was bloody footprints from the one apartment down to mr edge's apartment that's correct so richard's blood was strewn through the hallways and down to um to another apartment and there's no way that it could have been the actual individual in that apartment because he wasn't able to walk up and down the stairs in that manner um, and his friend was brought in later on 
as kind of a conduit to try to um, provide a bit of distance between the reporting of the crime and the actual offender. Thank you, Stephen. Let's try and help get this individual off the streets so it can't happen to anybody else. Thanks for joining us today, Steve. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Andy.